This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Tom Onder. Tom is an attorney at Stark & Stark. I am excited for him to be here. We just played some golf a few weeks ago. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, you shot pretty well, uh, better than me. So, uh, uh, you'll keep getting invited to uh, go out on uh, Forzum, So <laughs> There you go. So, Tom, tell a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. So I, I work for, um, I'm with Star, I'm a partner at Stark & Stark. Uh, and uh, we're a law firm uh, based in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, and my practice, I actually chair our shopping center and retail development group. Uh, we do a lot of work for uh, landlords, owners, uh, property managers, uh, for uh, shopping centers, warehouse, commercial, multifamily, uh, basically in the New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania region. Uh, and then myself, I've got a little bit of a specialty uh, in, in bankruptcy. I was a, uh, uh, before I started practicing 20 years ago, uh, right out of law school, I got a, a bankruptcy clerkship with a couple of judges. And, uh, have kind of parlayed that over the last, you know, uh, you know, two decades now. Um, one of the things I, I put out, which I think you and some other folks have, have seen, is uh, we put out a, a watch list of uh, uh, retailers to watch out for who may be filing for bankruptcy. Done it for probably about like the last maybe like seven, eight years or so. And um, you know, a lot of our owners, developers, and stuff, they find it, you know, very useful to kind of, you know, see who could be filing. You know, when you're trying to do lease negotiations uh, or renewals and things like that, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to file, but it's kind of a watch list to kind of keep a, an eye out for. Um, our group, we've got about 25 attorneys that do everything from on the tra- transactional side, buying and selling of properties. Um, you know, my my uh, partner, uh, Dee Kelly, she heads that side of the group. We do a lot of work together. Um, she does 1031 exchanges. Um, I do a little bit of leasing. Um, you know, uh, any kind of transactional stuff we do. Uh, and then on my side, besides the leasing and some of the bankruptcy, I also, um, about, I'd say about 60% of my practice is uh, litigation, uh, enforcement, helping uh, owners, developers, and landlords when they got like a problem tenant or a problem issue uh, going into court and uh, representing them. I, I love going into court and I, I'm looking forward now that courts are finally opening up where you can go back in and actually, you know, see a judge and, uh, and get justice for the good. So, yeah. well, speaking of bankruptcy, we just had some news this morning on Regal. Any, have you followed that one at all? Do you have any insights on that one? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. It's so Regal um, and a lot of the other, um, you know, not a lot. There's not them. And they, and by the way, they didn't file. There was just news that they're preparing to file. Yeah. And and so the the question is, are they actually going to file or are they using this as a tactic? Because a couple of weeks ago, there was a couple other like uh, landlords who came out and said like, Hey, we're going to file. And so far they haven't. Um, myself, I'm actually, my, my prognostication, you know, uh, is that there actually isn't going to be a lot, if any, uh, retail bankruptcy filings the rest of the year. Um, I just think that in terms of um, the economy, 
Uh, things seem to be getting better um, with uh, Congress recently, you know, going to pump a bunch more money into the economy, even though rates are still high and, you know, gas prices are still high or coming down. Um, I think generally you're going to see an avoidance of bankruptcies, uh, retail ones through the end of the year. Regal may go just because it's such a tough market that they and AMC and the other, um, uh, you know, movie theaters are in. People just aren't coming back as much as they everybody wanted to for things like theaters. It might get back there eventually, but you know the fact that like you or I can stream stuff, you know, online and get it whenever we want. It's I think it's changing the the atmosphere of the you know the whole like concept of the movies and stuff. So I could see them going before the end of the year, but I, I tell you, I, I just don't think you're going to see many other retailers go uh, this year. And even, you know, possibly into next year. But I, I do see something hitting probably maybe spring or so next year um, of a lot of retailers who really need to downsize and use the bankruptcy process to get rid of a bunch of leases. So, like, one area that we're concerned with and watching is if you have a franchisee with, say, 30 or 40 um, let's just use a, uh, say they got 30 or 40 Wendy's, okay, or Taco, or whatever it is. Um, they may have a couple of those locations, more than a couple, that they need to get rid of or they need to dump because uh, they're bad leases or the landlord won't work with them or something like that. Um, or the labor, they got they just too much for the labor shortage. Uh, an easy way to get rid of those leases, if there's a lot of them that they've got, you know, is to go into a bankruptcy and also to, you know, restructure, you know, Debt and stuff. So, but again, we don't, you know, me and my team, we just don't think that there's going to be many filings until, or if any, really on the retail side, larger ones until maybe like second quarter next year, which is, it's, it's good for owners and developers and stuff because they can get into leases, they can go into negotiations knowing like, you know, that they're not going to have to necessarily worry about it, but it's something now at least, but it's something they've got to keep their eye on. I think, yeah, the, the rest of this year, probably, you know, my take is it's going to be modest. You're not going to see many, but, um, you know, could have a spike. We've had so few uh, next year. That seems to be a prevailing sentiment. I'm curious to see what happens with the uh, Regal scenario. Funny, it's like, I mean, when was the last time? Have, have you been going to the movies or? Not regularly, no. Yeah. And it's like, you know, me, it's like, I mean, there's some stuff I wanted to see, but it's like, you know, I you know, do I just wait for it to come, you know, where I can watch it on the TV you know, my, with my family? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this though, for me, it's not a function of the, that versus streaming. I, I still enjoy a theater experience. I think it, for me, it's a little bit more of the stage of life with my kids and it being, yeah. you know, I will see, uh, you know, I, I think like my kids, like, just because of COVID, you know, three and five, they went to their second movie ever this summer. Uh, so, and they loved it. Okay. It, the, and it was recliners and they got popcorn. And what'd I you, think as, what did you guys see? I didn't go. Oh, okay. I, I don't even, I don't even know what they saw in <laughs> yeah. the theater, some kids movie, but I think that in the winter when there's less to do, I could see us going to the theaters more, you know, for, 
you know, the way my wife and I have been like looking at it is like, you know, stuck inside for so long. Like we want the kids outside. Yeah. Not, yeah. And, and that's just another inside. So, you know, um, as, it, as it relates to activities. So we've been doing more outside activities from an entertainment perspective, but okay. uh, we'll see. Yeah. So I want to take you to a section called, we call clear the air. Sure. I got three questions for you. You ready? I'm, I'm set. All right. <laughs> Question one. What is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. So, yeah. So I, uh, about 10 years ago or so, I started doing yoga. And I started it because a buddy of mine had a heart attack. And he was in much better shape than I was. And probably still is in much better shape than I am. But it really scared me. It freaked me out. I was like, man, I got to do something, you know? And I kept hearing it like the whole like yoga thing was really good for you, like low impact and everything like that. So I started doing it and I really enjoy it. And I, what I like about it is the studio that I used to go to before the pandemic hit, it was really a very rigorous workout. And then at the end, they would do like the, the meditation for like 10 minutes or so. And so I'm really into like, you know, getting the sweat and stuff like that. So you do the hour of that and it was really intense stuff. And then you lay in there for like, you know, five, 10 minutes or so. You're supposed to be mindful and everything. I just can't do it. I just, I can't like, I can't, well, I just start either laughing or like, I just, you know, so everybody would be quiet and you just hear me like, you know, um, <laughs> and then I'm like trying to like not to laugh and stuff. Um, uh, so it's like, that's one thing I just, I can't, I, for some reason I can't, um, I mean, I can like chill out and focus and stuff, but I just can't. And I wish I could, I wish I could get into that, like mindfulness, meditative state. My wife can do it. There's a whole bunch of people I know can do it. I just have a really hard time getting that meditative state. I either start laughing or I start thinking about something funny or something like that. So <laughs> I think you need to you, you need to practice meditating outside of the workouts scene. Okay. You might be able to do it. That's my okay. that's my take. I'll, I'll take that piece of advice. Yeah. <laughs> Question. Download Headspace. Headspace. OK. Yeah. Try it out for a week. You, you got to, you always have some really good. Uh, apps and stuff I gotta say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, question two. Okay. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? This last summer, I decided that I was going to replace the windows in my 100-year-old garage myself. Oh. I have successfully done that. Wow. Um, I had, uh, at the beginning of, like the very beginning of spring, I had a guy come out to um, give me a, an estimate on the windows. And my, it was my a billion garage. dollars. It was a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. I got I got a craftsman home from like it's a hundred years old home, and we have a separate detached garage, and it's also it's a hundred years old. It's in great shape and stuff, and it's big. So the guy comes out, and I live in Princeton, and I call it the Princeton tax. As soon as uh, as soon as you get a contractor that comes out that doesn't know you, they throw on the Princeton tax, and this guy. He's, he sees my house thinking it's the windows in the house that I want. We have a lot of windows. I'm like, no, 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 those, those have been done. I said, it's just these three windows I got in the garage. And he quotes me. He's like, uh, yeah, he's like, I can get this done for like $8,000. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, please leave my, my, my yard before <laughs> I throw you out. I was, I was so angry. I was like, I was like, I cannot believe this guy 
thought that he could like you know, pull us over on me. So then I, I went online and uh, my wife sees me come in from the backyard. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, hold on. Like, come online and I'm like, how to like replace windows yourself. And I like, took a look at like two or three different videos and uh, it's a process. You got to have a plan for it and stuff. You got to take the windows out of the casing. And I was afraid I was going to break the casing because things are 100 years old. But uh, I successfully did it. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. It, it took a long time to just because there's a, a process to it. You got to take the glazing out, take the windows uh, out. And the windows that I got, there's six panes in each of the windows. So it's like taking these little things. And it's a 100-year-old window. So there's some panes I'm breaking and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I got it done. And it was, it was a lot of fun. So Great. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? I have been hearing lately people say that more people are more productive at home and then being able, than working, uh, you know, in the office and stuff. And I absolutely, for the most part, do not agree with that. Um, I'm all for doing the hybrid, you know, uh, you know, working at home, you know, coming into the office and stuff. But there's nothing I think that replaces the ability to be able to collaborate with people um, or also to concentrate. Uh, I mean, when was the last time like you're on a Zoom call and you got somebody where like their dog's running through or like they're they don't have the lighting or something like that? And uh, I mean, there's some people who can totally work at home. Like my wife is one of those people. She could. She's an attorney as well, and she's she really focused. Um, but I think that generally there's a lot of either mistakes, clerical errors, or things that occur that you know it's not as productive as people. I, I, as I think generally people are saying that it is. Well, it's certainly a hot topic right now, so it is super hot topic. Uh, at DLC, we're hybrid. We're giving people both. So um, for a hybrid, like I, you know. My paralegals do a great job, you know, and if they're, you know, working at home and coming in, but there's nothing, there's nothing to beat that, that real like interaction that you can talk to somebody, ask them a question as opposed to jumping on like a Zoom. Okay. Appreciate you sharing that with us and us getting to know you a little bit better, Tom. I want to take us to the meat of the show. And today it is three things we are concerned we are wrong about for 2023. So first one, I'll say, well, you know, I talked earlier about this, about we're talking about bankruptcies, you know, back and forth and everything like that. And um, one of the concerns that I have is I said, I made the prediction, like no retail bankruptcies through the end of this year and probably nothing really into, into 2023, maybe like midway through or so. Um, my concern is that I'm wrong on that. And there is a just a, a rash of retail bankruptcies towards the end of this year. And one of the triggers would be is if the back to school sales are not as high as you know we expect them to be. Because in, in our in our industry, the, the two big kind of mile markers um, to see how everybody's doing is back to school and the holiday season. And if one of those markers is off it's a good tell of, you know, how things are going to go necessarily, you know, with, you know, retailers. So, you know, what happens if, you know, back to school is not as good as what everybody says, or interest rates, you know, get higher, 
or gas prices, you know, which have been taking a nice, you know, downturn, you know, lately, although I, I still hope they're going to drop another 50 cents, you know, um, you know, turn around. Um, so that's a concern, um, you know, with the tight labor market right now, um, with, uh, you know, inflation, you know, issues like that. I'm just, I'm concerned that my uh, more of a road, I wouldn't say a rosy outlook. I think I'm a, I'm a positive person generally, but I'm also with a, a dash of uh, a reality with it um, that we could have, you could have a, a rash of, of retail bankruptcies. Yeah, um, always a concern. I, I, you know, usually back to school is a good predictor for the holiday season. And, you know, the, the one how much is inflation? Who knows? But I, I think the one good thing is, you know, the U.S. Census Bureau put out retail sales for uh, two days ago and sales in July of 22 were 10.3 percent higher than July of 21. And they were 9.2 percent higher the period from May 22 to uh, through July 22 comparative to the same period in um, uh, 21. So I'm feeling pretty good about back to school. What portion of that is inflation versus, you know, actual growth? We'll see, but you know, there's still margin in there as price uh, that even through inflation. So uh, my bigger, my bigger concern is so like the PPP money's gone, the, the money's that, uh, that the government gave folks to pretty much get us through, you know, the two years of the pandemic is gone. So what happens with consumer savings that they've had? When is it going to run out? And, you know, do we necessarily need to be, you know, concerned about it? Like, you just you just don't know. And so it's like if you're looking for what a concern is where, yeah. you know, I, I could be wrong. It could be the bankruptcy side. I'm hoping that it's not, and that it's that for you know for owners, developers, and stuff like that that you know we we actually avoid uh, a recession or we get through a recession without it necessarily being a recession. Uh, but that's my that's my that's my concern of you know it, it could be wrong. Yep. So my first one is that I'm I'm wrong about. Uh, rents in retail and they're going to, I think they're going to rise, but I'm concerned that they're actually going to skyrocket because then I've missed out on some acquisition opportunities and we have a DLC. And so with inflation as it is and the, and the lack of supply of new construction and all this occupancy, rents have ticked up. And sellers are still pretty bullish uh, in retail. So I'm concerned that the rents don't go like this, but they go like this over the next couple of years. And then I've missed a lot, uh, a, a huge window. So uh, we're still buying, um, but, and where, you know, I think we're prudent and aggressive where we need to be in buying. But I think there's a, there's a case to be made for, skyrocketing rents. It's hard to underwrite that, but 
uh, I'm, you know, given what I, I wouldn't want to miss that gravy train and you know, we're, we're, we're buying, so we wouldn't totally miss it. But I think, you know, anyone, if they thought rents were going to skyrocket, they'd be acquiring more. So, yeah, you know, it really, it's dependent on what, what the asset class is. So, so yeah. like on the retail side, I think there is a real concern, you know, with that. I mean, your, uh, you know, your, your, your podcast a couple months ago about the, the you know, the store one yeah with bricks and mortar like yeah everybody thought it was not gonna that you were gonna see all these you know closings and shopping centers and things like that and it's like people want to go out people want to do stuff and you know there are you know whether with you guys over at uh, you know your company or, or other folks um there's a there's a lot more demand than i think anybody ever thought that there was going to be even you know coming out of this uh you know out of the pandemic um, so I think there's a, there's a concern that they could rise higher. Um, the flip side of that is, you know, do the other asset classes keep it tamped down? Like, you know, is, uh, office, is it, you know, what's going to happen with office? Like I was reading today that like in New York city, just, just the vacancy rates are, are, are huge. Like, does it do, do now after labor day? Are more people going to be coming back to the office for like the three and a half days a week or so where it it stops that vacancy rate? Or are you going to see um, are you going to see just so many chronic vacancies? And they don't need, you know, so like for us, we we're 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 currently in the process, we're gonna be moving our space. We've been developing a new space and we're going over to the the Hamilton train station uh, area, which uh, for me is going to be great. I'll be shooting in New York, shooting in Philadelphia. Um, but we've just, from our um, own efficiency side of things, not needing as many file storage rooms and things like that, not needing as many paralegal cubicles, we were able to reduce our space by about uh, to like 60% of what our current footprint is. Um, and, and those negotiations started prior to the pandemic. So, um, you know, will that asset class kind of keep down other areas of the economy so there isn't going to be runaway rents on the retail side? I, you know, I don't know, but I, I do think that that is a concern and it's a valid concern about, you know, are there, how high are the rents can go and are you, are you missing out on this opportunity? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Number two, what is the, Number two thing you are concerned you're wrong about. Sure. Um, so I did the at the start of this. I was talking about how like a good a portion of my practice is uh, it's on the litigation side, and like I'm happy to get back in the court and be able to talk to judges and uh, you know and fight a good fight for folks. One of the reasons I like that is because when you're trying at the end of the day, nobody wants if you or any of my other I got any other clients. Nobody wants to just be paying an attorney to fight and argue. You want them to get a solution for you. And one of the ways that that happens is, you know, when you're down in court with another side, you wind up figuring out a settlement like on the courthouse steps or prior to when you've got your most leverage possible on the other side. Not been able to do that for the last two years. There's been all these Zoom calls, things get delayed. Um, you know, how many issues have you guys had or other, you know, landlords or owners had where it's like, attorneys like listen I, I i don't want to tell you like the other side's not moving i can't get a hearing date to move this and you're just kind of stuck in this limbo 
Well, things are finally starting to move now, and we're starting to get back in the court and stuff, getting uh, being able to get in front of you know uh, judges and and move things and get the enforcement side of it. Um, my concern is what happens if you know that that stops or there's another delay, like a um, an issue like where the uh, another variant comes up to put the skids on it, you know, with the pandemic, like. Uh, the last two years, although everybody got through it, there was a lot of, you know, the deferments and other agreements that, you know, we helped to draft with some of our, our owners and developers. Um, that's that's going to cause delay. That's going to cause a loss of revenue. And my concern is that this ability to enforce things, you know, if there's another variant or something like that, that that and that's nothing you can really do to stop that, that the courts are going to go back to the way they have been over the last two years or early in the pandemic and can, you know, slow things down. So that's a that's a big concern that I've got. Yeah, I that would be a concern if uh, we couldn't enforce contracts in America. So, yeah, you know, and you, you had that for a good you know, at least the first year of the pandemic. I mean, everyone, I think, um, you know, who listens to this has a horror story where there was some somebody out there who just wasn't paying or wasn't doing what they're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, you, you, you just got to you're always trying to figure out as, a, as the attorney, if you're doing lit, on the litigation side, how you can use your leverage to get a solution for you know, the owner or your landlord in the quickest, most efficient and best possible way. And not being able to do that because of a delay, uh, it just, you know, it's killer, so. Yeah. Uh, For me, number two is I'm concerned. So I believe that sometime in 2023, lead times on materials for construction are gonna start to compress. I'm concerned I'm wrong with everything going on in China with the infrastructure bill and potentially more construction projects, the delays on HVAC or whatnot might be a new normal for a longer period of time than I might like. And so I am concerned I'm wrong that lead times are gonna start to compress. I, I believe they will, but you know, I was talking to some people and that could be, it depends on who you talk to at when in 23 it starts to compress. But uh, it is it, if th- we're in a new normal, it's gonna you're gonna have to start to reset every project and timing and and you know we've already talked to some retailers who are working on a deal now where the retailer can't get some of the stuff for their prototypical store and we're talking Q2 2024 delivery for them um, because of that and we've been talking to them about that delivery date since. The beginning of this year so that's existing space that's not a new build so that's that's concerned that's really wild uh, it's a long time to satisfy a demand for today that you can't satisfy for a couple years and who knows whether that demand is there or not so yeah we've uh so we uh, we've got uh we do some work with uh folks over at the Langen Engineering and, uh, you know, they do some marketing stuff with us. And that's one of their concerns um, of just the lead times. Like, is it going to get better? And when is it going to get better? Um, and 
that's a real issue. I mean, if you're trying to get a, a center, you know, redone, not build a new one, get redone, um, you know, when are you going to be able, or, you know, just like you said, like with the new HVAC or something like when can, when, when does that, when does that then change your, the, you know, the rental commencement date or something else, or the tenant just say to you, like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not paying anything. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do on your side of things. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. All right. Last one. It's the last one thing you're concerned you're wrong about. Like last one, it's, and it's and it's more of a it's a hopeful one. Okay, it's a it's a hopeful one. Um, everybody's talking about that there's going to be a recession, that there's going to or you know some kind of downturn and stuff like that. What if there's not? And this kind of leads back into what you were talking about before with you know the rising. Are you going to miss out on something? Um, you know, we just recently had you know, the Deficit Reduction Act, the CHIPS bill and stuff, all this money coming into the economy. And it's gonna be coming into the economy. But everybody, in, interest rates are higher, inflation's higher. What if, you know, we don't go through a recession, we don't really go through a downturn, that what we have is just this higher new normal of some inflation or interest rates, but it's not a recession. And, you know, do are you missing out? This kind of, to, you know, almost goes back to what your number two one was, which was, or number one one was, which is, are you missing out on something? And I think it's that, you know, that opportunity Are you know, what do you do to hedge to make sure that you're not missing out on that opportunity? Um, and the, you know, the only way you can do it is, you know, you look at, you know, you know data points, you look at, you know, what's going on with, you know, uh, the news. I mean, like when we put together like our bankruptcy watch list, uh, we, we put a lot of time into going through, you know, data, uh, other news stories, talking to uh, reporters that, you know, that we know on background, like the Journal or the Times or something like that, trying to get some information. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's, your, it's your best educated guess to stuff. So... Yeah, um, I, I probably could have done my last one in part on the other one because it's construction related as well. But my last one is I believe that construction costs are going to come down and compress uh, slightly. Uh, what happens if they don't? Uh, because of all the reasons that I mentioned in number two, but uh you know, the, I don't, someone said to me recently that construction costs are like college tuition. They never go down. Maybe labor, maybe labor's up now, maybe labor's down, but steel's up. Maybe lumber's down, but labor's up. Like they never actually come down. Um, and I think, you know, that, that first one would have to become a reality where rents really have to rise in order to meet the construction costs, um, or there's going to be some challenges for projects and all asset classes to get underway. And, you know, there's, I know of some people, uh, developers who have dropped deals because of construction costs that were like signed deals. Uh, I believe in, you know, starting in the Q4, you could see some compression, 
But if you don't and they keep, you know, and it's, it actually is like college tuition and they don't actually ever come down. Uh, I think that could be a challenge. Now, I think the biggest driver of that is the housing market. And as that potentially softens, that could be the catalyst for construction costs to come down. But what if it's not? Yeah, you know, with the, with the housing, it's like you now have, you know, the millennial generation now stepping into their starting to do home buying. And it's not just start, they've, they've already started to do it and they've not, they've not reached their peak of it. And how does that affect the economy? How does that affect them to your retail sales um, and, and other things like that? And your other, you know, your, your other different asset classes. Um, like I'm, I'm from, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and we have a, there's a steel mill in. I got a, I got a stat on this actually. Oh, do you? Okay. I got a stat on this. Okay. So it's an old stat. I don't know if it's true, but I think it's directionally right. And there was a study in 04 by UPenn. Yeah. For every 3% that home values rise, retail sales in that trade area rise by 1%. Really? Huh. You could find that it's a study in, it's from 04. This is before e-commerce was hot. This was before, you know, a lot, the great recession, the COVID pandemic. So I don't know how relevant, but I think directionally it's, you know, how specific, I think directionally it's probably right, but that was always a good punchline for every 3% home values rise in a trade area, retail sales in that trade area rise about 1%. Huh. So there you go and your millennials moving into houses and what it does to retail sales. Huh. Yeah, but I think with what you were talking about with, you know, steel, lumber costs and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally. Like we got a big steel uh, uh, mill in, in town. And when I was growing up, they were shutting parts of it down. And now, you know, there's, you know, you can't get as much stuff as you can from China with like, just with, uh, with all the issues of bringing stuff in. Um, it does that, you know, with these new investments, you know, are there gonna, are you gonna see like more like either mills or things, you know, coming back to, to take, some of that demand, but even if they do, like you're, you're not going to, it's not going to happen tomorrow, you know? So I think there is a big concern about, you know, either steel lumber or whatever your other raw materials are for what you need to, to get built. Yeah. Yeah. And labor too, right? Like yeah. labor too. So and I think the thing with labor that what people keep forgetting, there's not a lot of talk about it is you also have, the baby boom generation, you know, finally starting to retire. Yeah. And so you've got like this huge opening of the, the, the workforce. And then, you know, the other issue is the people who have not gone back to the workforce that aren't in the baby boom generation, are they going back because of childcare issues? Um, because of, uh, you know, family issues like older parents or something like that? Is it the pandemic? Like, is that now going to change now that we're, starting to, I guess, you know, exit the pandemic, even though it's still going on, like, will that bring back people into the labor force? I just, I just don't think that we know right now. Yeah. Um, I don't think we do, but we'll see. <laughs> well, listen, Tom, thank you for sharing. Um, I appreciate your insights. This was fun. Uh, I know you're going, Chris. This, yeah, this is good.
I know you're going on vacation. Um, and I am, uh, I'm jealous you'll be gone for two weeks in LBI. That's, uh, Always available for clients, though. You can call <laughs> anytime. Any anyone who's listening. <laughs> well, uh, that said, <laughs> that said, I want to take us to the very end of the show. Got three quick questions for you. Are you ready? I, I am set. All right. Question one: What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Sears, but a different form. Um, <laughs> so you don't really want Sears then. <laughs> I think I really like the boxers, okay? So I was talking about the windows that I was replacing earlier, okay? I love going to, like, the, the tool aisle that was there at Sears and checking all that stuff. I, I love that. Okay? My dad was a craftsman guy. Yeah, and it's just, you know, my, my father was a, he was he was an electrician and, you know, kind of taught, you know, me and my brother and sister, like, certain things to do. But, like, we were never at his level. Like, he, he built a back porch or, like, a patio, you know, a, build, a full one himself and my grandfather. Like, I remember yeah. I was a little kid, like, he did like real like construction stuff. Okay. But I always liked, you know, doing the tools and stuff like that. So I think Sears, I'd love to see them come back because it's like, they were, they had everything, you know, it's like, you could go in there, you get shoes, you get clothes and stuff. Like in the eighties, it's like, that was the, the place, you know? Um, and I just, I, I feel bad that like no one ever figured out how like they could have been Amazon before Amazon. I mean, they had the catalog business and stuff like that. Like, if they would have just figured it out, like they stopped their catalog business, I think the same year that Amazon came on the market, like it's, uh, it's, it's kind of sad. So it's like, I, that's, that's one retailer. Like as a, I remember as a kid going there with my parents and just feeling like, wow, you can get anything here, you know? And, uh, so that's, that's probably one. I'll give you a good anecdote. I had Steve Dennis on the show before and he, he's a, a, a retail thought leader and he was, at Sears and the executive leadership in the 90s. And he had mentioned that one of the things on the table for them that they never pulled the trigger on. And I don't know how, when, when I say on the table, I don't know if it was just in the, how far along they got, but it, it was at least a discussion point in a room was them buying Home Depot. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh. I found that fascinating. Uh, anybody who's got like craftsman tools, like a craftsman hammer is- Yeah. You, you like all it's you, you develop a relationship with the, with the tool, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, uh. Okay. Question two, what is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Paint. I went, I went to Ace Hardware <laughs> and I got paint for my windows that I did. <laughs> um, perfect. Last question. Tom, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? I'm going to ask you a question. Which aisle do you think you'd find me in? Okay. <laughs> the tool section. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, Tom, this was great. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Chris, thanks for having me. It's, yeah. You know, your, your, your podcasts are, are very insightful. A lot of fun too. Um, you know, I was listening to, was it, I think uh, Danielle Brunelli was on a couple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, she was, I was, I was laughing. She was, you asked her one of the questions about, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what skill you wish had. She was talking about, uh, uh, teaching her kid math, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and now like, she's like, I just can't do it. And it's like, I'm, I'm in the same boat with that. And I was like, I can't use that one. You know? <laughs> so, well, listen, Tom, really appreciate it. Have a great vacation. Thanks Chris. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to retail retold. 
If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.